0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: You know what? Let's talk to Spike in St. Pete while we hook back up with Jamie. Spike, you're next on 98.7. Increase the stride. Uh, Look, I'm I'm thrilled with the
0: Knicks. I really am. Uh, Leon Rose has done a fantastic, outstanding job over four years. He had a little tough time at the beginning getting the drafts right, but uh, a lot of people missed on a bunch of guys, especially Howard Burton, so on and so forth. But last night was indicative going into that game. They had no chance because they had no size. Uh And and I'm talking to uh, one of my boys and I go, He says your friend Larry's old school. I said six seven's the biggest guy you got on the court. You can't you can't win. You just can't win. But they tried. They played hard. Uh, The infusion of the two taller guys who knock down threes is uh, that's a no risk situation. You know Mm -hmm. you get the money at the end of the year so you can move them. And after uh, whatever the amount of games is, we're a little past the halfway point. Uh, I couldn't be happier, and I'm sure you're on the same bandwagon with me, Larry. I mean, uh, they got rid of Grimes. They threw Grimes into into the uh, the, the Coliseum there as a gladiator. It was too much to put him in there as a 21-year-old to start and and guard guys at times four or five inches taller, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous made no sense to me. So uh we're suffering at the big spot right now. Uh you know, uh Hart, Hartenstein, Randall and um who's the other guy that said I mean, and OG. And Uh, In most games, they get 60% of their rebounds. Uh So, you know, you got hurt, but uh, the schedule is what it is. I see uh, some tough stuff going on in the East. I really do. Milwaukee has some personal issues with Damian Lillard and his family. Uh, Boy, it still chaps me as Michael Kay likes to say, that Mike Budenholzer losing his brother uh, from a car accident. You know, mm-hmm. it's a long-term illness. It's its not as bad, I guess. It's still a loss of a life. And they get rid of him and put the kid from Seton Hall in there. And uh, I guess someone didn't like him, uh, like Giannis or something, to replace him with Doc, who, you know, if you have to make one bet, wait until he's uh, ahead 3-1 to one in the series and bet against him. So overall, and I think Deuce has come a long way. You know, I've been a huge fan of his in terms of his defensive uh, ability, moving his hands and his feet. And I know you're a defensive guy like I am. Mm-hmm. And we see he could shoot the three in spite of a two for ten. He he seems to learn on the job. And that's not easy because he's small. So I have no qualms against the Knicks. I think they put a terrific team together. They sacrifice some of their draft picks, but that's how you win. The East, except for Boston, is pretty wide open. That really is to me, Larry. Am I wrong? It is.
1: No, you're not wrong at all, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. It's wide open. Uh, Listen, the one thing, they may have put Grimes in, as you say, into the big arena, but offensively, For the most part, he was able to do some things. He was able to have some consistency shooting. You respect that once he gets hot and he can put some baskets from the three-point line, that's why you're able to move him. So this is why you have drafts, finally, right, that you have players that eventually everybody you draft is not going to make your team, but they can help you improve with some veterans that can help you in the big spot, and that's what the Knicks have been able to do. Let's welcome in my good friend Jamie Harris from the Amsterdam News. We'll turn our attention to the Knicks right now. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Hey, Larry, how's it going? Everything is good, my friend. Everything is good. Jamie, um, you've been covering this team a long time. And I said last week, and I want to get your reaction to this, it is really rare and such a good feeling for me as a Knicks fan to hear people talk about how They respect what the team has been able to do front office-wise. Jamie, for a franchise that has struggled, except for maybe one or two times when Mike Woodson was here over the past couple of decades, for you to hear respect about the Knicks after all the comedy and and being the butt of jokes around the NBA for so many years, it's really kind of shocking. (laughs)
2: No, it is, Larry. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you mentioned the front office and Leon Rose. Um, Just, I would say, a little over a year ago, uh, there were fans in in, in media uh, that were critical of uh, Leon Rose, the president of the Knicks and the Knicks front office, um, because of their, uh, just their lack of uh, improving the team, uh, being aggressive, uh, having assets. Uh, accumulating assets that that could be used uh, clearly to improve the team. Um, And now, you know, we look back in hindsight and and, and we we see that they were very methodical. They were very measured. Uh, Of course, uh, again, Leon Rose is the president, um, William Wesley as the executive vice president, and Gerson Rosas, who is the, uh, you know, head of basketball operations, they have done uh, a remarkable job in uh, just a short period of time. And when we look back, Larry, it's almost a year to the day, February 8th, when the Knicks made the trade for Josh Hart. Uh, in that deal, they gave up a first-round pick along with Cam Reddish and some other uh, players. But yet, the Knicks have been able to bring in four key pieces uh, over the last you know, month. And with, with obviously, a over a month, and obviously with O.G. Ananobi being the most critical of those four pieces, and Anobi, Achua, and now Bogdanovich and Alec Burke without trading a first-round pick. So the Knicks still have nine first-round picks over the next five drafts. To be able to improve the team significantly, as they've done, without squandering a first-round pick, uh, we have to uh, you know, give Rose and his staff credit. We criticize them, but we have to give them credit because they've made this team, Larry, and I was listening to Spike, of course. Spike is always a great caller. This team, Larry, can compete with any team in the Eastern Conference healthy. Um, This is not hyperbolic. The Knicks could be a Finals team this year. Um, I I think that the only team, really, that you look at right now from top to bottom, and you argue is is just a better team, uh, is the Celtics. And they have a better starting five. The Celtics, you would argue, have the best starting five in basketball. But in terms of quality depth, the Knicks are a deeper team. And so I think fans should be excited as to what the Knicks can be if they can get this team healthy and whole going into the playoffs.
1: Jamie Harris of the Amsterdam News is my guest. Jamie, what does Alec Burks and Bogdanovich bring to this, def- to this offense and bench play?
2: What they, needed, what they needed more than anything else, Larry, the second unit scoring, and we saw that even though there were injuries, Randall and O.G. and Anobi were out uh, against the Lakers uh, last week. We saw that second unit, able to generate offense the Lakers is a blitz blunting uh, there was no one else uh, to score the ball now you bring in two professional scorers and not only are they professional scorers but in today's nba Larry, you know the three-point uh shot has been weaponized it is a it is a very important weapon both by and alec burke are high percentage three-point shooters so you just added a high percentage three-point shooter in OG Ananobi. Tom Thibodeau uh, can really now mix and match his lineups. So he can put a very strong defensive lineup on the floor while at the same time not sacrificing offense. So I think that's what the addition of uh, Bogdanovich and and Alec Burke has done. And also, as you know, Larry, in the playoffs, the last two or three minutes of every game are, are so important. And you have to have guys who can hit big shots. You have to have guys that can create offense. And I think the Knicks now, if you look up and down their roster and what Thibodeau will be capable of doing and putting on the floor, uh, I think that trade, uh, again, shocking in a sense because Bogdanovich was highly sought after by many teams. And for the Knicks to get both him and Burke without giving up a first-round pick, uh, I think speaks volumes for um, the plan that the front office has put in place and being able to execute a plan to make this team a legitimate Eastern Conference Finals contender.
1: You know, Jamie, I got to I have to admit, I was not really no disrespect to Alec Burks, but I was not really like excited about him coming back because, you know, he was here before. And I know that he was I was looking for somebody more of a facilitator to come off the bench to help Jalen Brunson. I know Jalen Brunson is going to play when we get to the postseason, Jamie, 42 minutes. I know <laughs> maybe 43 but nevertheless, I was still looking for somebody that could be more of a facilitator, and I know Alec Burks did break, play the the backup to you know to to the point guards that were here at the time. But I will say, from a scoring standpoint, uh, Jamie, even last night, what, what he had 21, 22 points. He was his shots, his scoring has never been an issue.
2: No, it hasn't, and I, you know I thought that uh, Dejounte Murray was a possibility. Albeit, you know, probably not the likelihood of the Knicks getting uh, Dejounte Murray at the trade deadline. It was a possibility, but I thought Malcolm Brogdon uh, was mm-hmm. someone who would be the guy that they would bring in—a uh, veteran. Uh, we know he was the Sixth Man of the Year last year with Boston before being uh, traded to Portland over the summer. Uh, he's a guy who can still play defense, and obviously, he is a uh, high-quality point guard, uh, someone that could facilitate him on the offense. But I do think that looking at the team moving forward, not getting that facilitated because Miles McBride is still not there yet. Uh, I like his development, but he's not there yet. You know, I've heard you speak, of, you know, speak about him over the past two weeks, and I thought you really deconstructed his game, uh, you know, very prudently and smartly, and that he's not a guy who gets into the paint. He's not a guy who, you know, really runs the offense. He's a guy who, right now, is more of a scorer. He can hit the three point shot. Uh, and you need a, uh, someone who is steady and reliable at that position as we move deeper into the season and into the playoffs. But what the Knicks will do, I foresee, is, you know, splitting Dante DiVincenzo and Brunson. So you would say, I believe, DiVincenzo, once the Knicks do get hold, having DiVincenzo facilitate the second unit uh, more than, uh, you know, we'll see him playing with Brunson in the backcourt, obviously to the starters. They'll still get significant minutes together. But I think Devin will now also take on that role, as being the guy who will facilitate. No stagger them in it, so he can facilitate and run uh, that offense for the second unit.
1: Jamie Harris is my guest of the Amsterdam News. We're talking Knicks. Jamie, all this is great, but the bottom line is, <laughs> when is Randall coming back? When is OG coming back? Uh, when is Mitchell Robinson coming back? And and how long will Hardenst- Hardenstein be able to continue to play up and down with this with this Achilles?
2: Yeah, you know, let's start with Hardenstein first. You know, this it's it's been lingering, and so I you know I think that is a is a is a mild concern. We know he's been just, you know, we don't want to say Lou Gehrig, but the guy has been extremely durable. Uh, he doesn't miss games, uh, you know, up until recently with the, with the Achilles, and so that that is something to watch. I think you know there's nothing to be I think extremely concerned about, but you know you don't want it to become problematic. Um, Ananobi and, and and Randall, uh, they'll be back. I mean, they're going to be, you know, reevaluated again during the all star break. Uh, the Knicks have two games this week, they play uh, Houston Monday or rather tomorrow in a row, and then they'll play Orlando um, before going into the all star break. So, they'll have time, uh, to reevaluate Randall and uh, OG. And you know, we expect them to be back, uh, you know, certainly uh, sometime after the break. Uh, so, 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 it's, it's really not a deep concern. I think the Knicks really. Um, were fortunate that there was really no structural damage uh, to Randall's shoulder uh, and his non-shooting shoulder. And it was the non-shooting shoulder. So that, again, they were very fortunate uh, that there's no severe damage done. So he'll be back. Uh, OG will be back. And so uh, Hartenstein, obviously, he's logging a lot of minutes and that's in a that, that position as a starter. If they can get Mitch back, and Mitch could, again, just give them some quality minutes. Uh, again, Larry, you're talking about a team that's too deep and I mean, with quality um, at at every position, and Precious Achua, I think we can't mm-hmm. overlook uh, what he's done, Larry. You know, people when he came, you know, I think some people may have looked at him as just you know, not a throw-in, you know, but someone that was put into the trade to you know to make to make the salaries match. Precious Achua has played exceptionally well for the Knicks in the role uh, that they've asked him to fill. Uh, you know, I asked Tom Thibodeau a couple of you know a couple of weeks ago, maybe a little over a week ago. Uh, what has he learned about Precious that he didn't know uh, prior to him coming to the Knicks? And you know, his answer was, "Listen, the guy is—you know—he can—he can do so many things. You know, his his versatility uh, is really impressive. He's he's rebounded. He's scored when he's had to. Uh, he's been able to switch. You know, you one through four in some cases. You know, you see him out in the perimeter guarding. Um, and so, I think Precious Achua has been a very valuable piece and will continue to be uh, as the Knicks try to get healthy." And then, unfortunately, the for them, they're going into the All-Star break, so they only have two games remaining before then uh, because they're fourth in the East right now. And, you know, they were clearly – they were 12-2 and two prior to Ananobi and Randall getting injured. They've lost the last three out of four. So now is the perfect time, you know, for them to be going into the All-Star break to get some rest.
1: No question about it. Jamie, um, this is obvious. I know everybody knows the answer to this, but you – watching him going to the practices and watching him and, and speaking with him. I mean, just talk about how how big Jalen Brunson has been for this team and his impact. How much of an impact this team, he's changed this team.
2: Uh Brunson's impact on this team has been immeasurable. But I think we have to start with Julius Randle. Uh, Steve Mills at the time was, um, you know, the president of the Knicks when the Knicks signed Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, you know, obviously, you know, they were uh, players who the Knicks used as their plan B when they didn't sign uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back in the summer of 2019. No one could have imagined that Randle would be a three-time All-Star and two-time All-NBA in five seasons, even four and a half seasons, less than five full seasons. So I think, you know, that, Larry, began to establish at least – A foundation but what brunson has done is immeasurable he's really changed the culture we know in today's nba larry front office executives no matter how close their relationships are we know leon rose and and william wesley had very close relationships and wesley going worldwide west going far back beyond long before he started working at caa with players but now players recruit players players look at teams and say, I want to play with that guy. or I want to play with these guys. I think Brunson has done that. So I think now you'll look at some of the elite players in the league that the Knicks are still down the road hoping to be able to acquire at least one more star player to add to this group. And Brunson, who has now become a star, right? Mm -hmm. He's just not an all-star. He is a star. And his commitment to the game, you know, his dedication to winning, his professionalism, how he has come in and he has given this team an identity, I think that is immeasurable, Larry. And, and, and again, I, very few people saw this. I personally didn't. I thought they were getting a good player. Uh-huh. But they have gotten, you know, a true star. And so when you can do that, and remember, Larry, I'm going to go back to what uh, Tom Thibodeau said. Right before Giannis signed his extension with of Milwaukee, and there was still some thought that maybe Giannis would just go into free agency and the Knicks had a chance. And DeVito said, listen, there's several ways you can acquire a star, a superstar. He said, but you need those guys to win in the NBA. And he said, you could trade for one, you could draft one, a player and develop them, like he said J- they did with Jimmy Butler in Chicago, or you can sign him as a free agent. Well, the Knicks were fortunate to be able to sign J- Brunson as a free agent, and now they have the opportunity again, with the salary because they still have retained flexibility going into this summer to add to this team. And so I'm going to go back to the front office. They've done a great job. You have to credit them. Structurally, they put this team in position to win now and in the future.
1: Yeah, they they've, they've made some really good moves so far, Jamie. And one of the things that we – other thing that we don't get to talk about with this Nick team has been the phrase sustainable success. And the reason why you don't get sustainable success, you have to be able to have some people in, in place in management for a while. And this is a rare situation where the front office has been in place. We haven't had a change. We haven't had a change with the head coach. We haven't had a change with the front office. It's it's a rare situation for this team. Have you, heard, have you
2: heard Dolan's name mentioned?
1: No, not at all. No,
2: because he comes, he sits in his seat, he watches the game, and he's staying out of the way, and he's letting the basketball people now that he sees that he has basketball people that are displaying competence, that are st- sustaining, uh, displaying stability, and also having a clear plan in place. Oh. So now like he does with the Rangers, he's, he's, out of the way. The fans aren't complaining about Dolan. I think that's very important. Larry, like you said, from a perceptive perception and optics standpoint, I think what the fans are seeing is stability.
1: And that you're right. It's important. And it's been rare. Last thing, Jamie, and I have to do this uh, because we are, this is the day of the Super Bowl. Uh, you covered the Giants also for the Amsterdam News and the National Football League. You've seen a lot of the Niners. You've seen some of Kansas City. Give me your thoughts about uh, the Super Bowl today. Who's going to win and, and what can we expect?
2: You know, Larry, it's My analysis mirrors yours. Uh, I think that, and as you said, <clears throat> it, it becomes cliche, you know, cliche that you have to stop the run or you have to be able to run the ball. I think that's going to be the key. I think that if San Francisco, and as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey is is far more than a running back. He's a guy who's you know you you, you get him out in space, you can throw him the ball, you can line him up all over the field, but has to be able to run the ball against his Chiefs defense because Spags is going to come after uh, Brock Purdy. We know that he's going to make Brock Purdy beat him. And Kansas City arguably has the best set of corners in the league. You know Sneed and, and McDuffie has been have been phenomenal. Even though Kansas City, I think people know that the defense has really driven this team this year. I still think that defense is underrated. Um, their defense shut down. Now, Todd Munkin, the Ravens' offensive coordinator, he stopped the run. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if anyone stopped the run, it was Todd Munkin who stopped the run in that game. You know, after after Buffalo, you know, had run for 100, over 180 yards the prior week against Kansas City. But I think if Kansas City can stop the run. Uh, that is going to be the key to the game. And we know that San Francisco's defense over the past couple of games, uh, you know, they, they have been a little porous and suspect. And so if, Kansas, if, if San Francisco's defense doesn't play better than they did against both the Green Bay and the Lions, uh, I think Kansas City will win the game. I predicted 24-20 KC, uh, but I think it'll be another close Super Bowl, and it'll probably come down to the last one or two possessions.
1: Jamie Harris, thanks for a couple of minutes today, my friend. Always good talking to you. We'll keep reading you in the Amsterdam News.
2: Yes, sir, Larry. Always a pleasure.
1: All right. Thank you, my friend. Jamie Harris, we'll come back and get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)
1: At hardest the ESPN at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM, we have an upset. We we'll get to the phones in a second in um, ladies' college basketball. Number two Iowa upset by Nebraska, eighty two seventy nine. Joe, help me out. Was that like a ten point lead with maybe four minutes to go or three minutes to go, something like that in that game?
3: Iowa had an eight point lead with about three minutes to go and. What's even more confusing, because Iowa Caitlin Clark she's going for the all-time women's record. You would think, uh-huh. oh, Iowa lost this game by force feeding Caitlin Clark the ball, and Nebraska just swarmed her and turned the ball over a bunch of times, and that's how they lost. No, she barely touched the ball at all in the last three minutes, and Nebraska storms back. I thought it was going to go to overtime, yeah, personally, which would have been great for the the points record, but. Did you see the line to get into the game that it's they showed on the
1: broadcast? Yeah, they did. It's like it's, crazy. it's like Super Bowl
3: now yeah, with Caitlin Clark. It
1: really is. Yeah. It's great for women's college sports. It really is. And uh but she did not break the record, so she's what? 8 points away? 8 points eight, away. 8 points away from scoring from breaking the record. That's crazy. It's crazy. And for them to lose, and I will say this because of what happened to them previously, I'm noticing that uh, teams are doing, and uh, arenas are doing a better job and keeping the, cause you know, the kids want to, you know, the kids want to storm the, the court. This is a major upset. This is the number two team in the country. And a young lady who's about to break the scoring record for, for women's college basketball. But they, everybody's been doing a much better job since the last incident. So, you know, they, the, the officials were there, the security, the police were there and, you know, it, it was, um, they were able to – Iowa was able to leave without incidents. It was It was a nice job by them. Nice job. Nice job. Uh, Dante's in Queens. Hey, Dante. Hey,
0: Larry. Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking my phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick on, on the Knicks. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, no, you know, our guys, you know, have to get healthy. But as much as I respect Hodge Gibson, you can't have him starting at center. You got two open roster spots. Get get a guy like a, a Robin Lopez or or somebody you know that's gonna be able to keep up and play. This isn't the time to be cheap, you know. Uh-huh. It, it, it's like you might as well have had my ninety-one year old grandfather out there, you know, trying to play starting center. It's like, come on, you know.
1: Yeah, I but that, what you're that
0: was. Um, and do you know if they're even active on the open? Um the buyout market, and, you know, that's that's so bad.
1: All right, Dante, uh, thanks for the phone call. No, I don't know if they're active or not. I'm sure they're shopping to see what's going on, but they're also monitoring, uh, you know, what what they have coming back. Uh, when will, you know, uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson be back? When will uh, Sims be back? When will, uh, you know, some depth there that they have? They've, what has happened is because Hartenstein has been – uh so good okay and obviously was not available last night but because he's been so good he's been available they feel that with a couple of days off and going into the NBA All-Star break that they will be able to get some rest for these guys and they'll be able to be okay so i'm sure they're monitoring what's going on and if things change they will make an adjustment but for right now they you know they've been successful with the way they've rotated it uh, I don't know how long Preston Sachua is going to be able to play 40-plus minutes. I know he had 43 last night. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, that's what that's what they're going to do, I think. So they're just waiting to see. They expect people back, and I think they don't want to make a move right now until they see what's going on. We'll continue the conversation on the phones with you. at 1-800-919-3776. Next.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's pond hockey season on Long Island, and ESPN New York wants you to be a part of the action. Head to ESPNNewYork.com or the ESPN New York app for your chance to win a 60-minute time slot at the outdoor synthetic rink in the park at the UBS Arena. Just scroll down to contest and submit your entry. Join the New York Islanders for some fun in February. Take advantage of special ticket pricings for upcoming home games at UBS Arena and be there for every thrilling matchup. Get your tickets today at newyorkislanders.com February. It is The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Talking Knicks, talking Super Bowl with you. 1-800-919-3776. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, I? Hey, good afternoon, Larry. How you been, man? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you?
4: Hello?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great, Ira. How are you? Hello? Oh, you lost me, I hear you.
4: Yeah, you, you there?
1: Yeah, I'm Larry. here. I'm here. Oh, there
4: you go. Yeah must, yeah, must have been my phone. Must have been my phone. How are you?
1: I'm doing so,
4: great. Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. It's amazing what this game has turned into. I mean, I think I got a couple of years on you, but this, this, the I guess the build up, the marketing. It, 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 it's it's everything but the game. It's the craziest mm. thing. I, I I remember growing up, you know. You had that one week layoff, you had your game and you know, you watch it on the field. Now it's about the parties and, and everything else and I'm sure it's gonna be a good game. I got the Chiefs winning by about ten points. I just think I think their defense is very underrated and mm-hmm. I, I think that'll be the difference of the game. And um until I see somebody beat Mahomes, I gotta go with the Chiefs.
1: All right, Ira, I gotta ask you. I know, I had a chance to talk know. to you. Gotta ask you, Ira. Uh, What did you think of your owner coming out this week?
4: I'm kind of glad you brought it up. Um, I'm glad he spoke. Uh, It was nice to hear somebody from the upper, uh, except for the coach talk. Um, I don't think he really told anybody anything that we didn't know, except I'm glad that he he put a mandate on these guys. Um, I mean, I would have cleaned out this year, but I understand the situation with Rodgers. So I'm glad he turned up the heat on them. The one thing that I was kind of surprised, and if I owned the team, I wouldn't have done what he did. I wouldn't have thrown my particular, my general manager, my personnel department and the head coach under the bus for not having a backup quarterback, because I'm sure as an organization, they all had some say whether Wilson was going to be the backup or not. And I'm sure Woody had his, um, there's two senses in that also. Uh-huh. So to take all the shift off of him and put it all on the GM, um, I'm not defending Douglas. I think he, I think Woody's right, but I think that should have been kept in house. I don't think that's something you talk about publicly.
1: Did he need Ira to he, – he inferred it, but did he need to say, this team has to get to the postseason? Did he need that one line?
4: No, no, because, you, I mean, you could read between the lines. You know, he was saying it. It would have been, I guess, nice to hear it if he actually said it. But, um, you know what, Larry? To me, getting to the postseason is not good enough. They have to make, considering what they went through, okay, and it's not that four Rogers got hurt, but everything they've done, this wasn't about getting to a wild card game. This was about getting to the Super Bowl and playing on a day like today. And if they don't make some noise
1: in the playoff next year,
4: I'm looking at some big-time changes.
1: All right, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. That's the number one Jet fan that I know of. And, you know, part of it, I agree with him that you can't single out your backup quarterback because you should have said to them, I want a backup quarterback. You can tell me, okay, you can work with them if you want to, and even – Michael Kay said it at the beginning of the season. You don't want to get rid of him? I got it. He's under contract. He's not just giving him away. He could be number three. He was not supposed to be number two. And you guys know we took call after call after call. Oh my God. You mean to tell me Zach Wilson's gonna be the quarterback if Aaron Rodgers should get hurt at this at this age? Oh, that's not gonna work. The fans knew. They had to know. And and I get, well, will you think you're, you know. How do you make, how do you make this enticing for somebody to say, okay, you're going to follow, you're going to back up Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And they may say, well, you know, that means I'm not going to have a chance to start. When you look at that, won't be the situation this coming year. Look at all the quarterbacks that went down last year, his age and younger. So (laughs) they need a lot of change on this team. And there was some stuff in there. I don't really want to turn this into Jets-Giants on the day when we're really talking Super Bowl. But, I mean, just to see some things where they're talking about Robert Sala going to be more involved in the offense. No, 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 no. No, no. He does not need to be more involved in the offense. He needs to lock down that defense even more. Cut down the penalties. Cut down the miscommunication. Do a better job stopping the run. Okay, and yes, that comes, of course, with personnel, but it also comes with scheme. So those are the other things. He's got he's the head coach and he is involved with the defense. That's enough. The only thing the only thing I would say, and him being involved more on in the offense, is if he feels that things are getting out of balance, then yeah, you know, maybe you need to say, can we run the ball a little bit more? Maybe some maybe that. But otherwise, no. Let him <laughs> he's got enough to handle with the defense. Enough. We'll continue the conversation talking Nixon Super Bowl next on 98.7 ESPN. Interesting the way in. We heard a couple of folks, <clears throat> excuse me, comment on what I thought was a great setup by my producers who do a great job all the time as to whose legacy will be affected today in the Super Bowl. Whose legacy? For me, it's Kyle Shanahan. I had uh, another caller indicate it would be, uh, Steve Spagnuolo, if he's able to win another Super Bowl and really thwart a very talented Niners offense, that that is something that would propel him. Does it? What does it do for Andy Reid? Does it cement him as to an unbelievable play caller? Uh, a lot, some conversation during Super Bowl week about him. Is this going to be it for him? Is he ready to move on if they win or lose, whatever? Uh, and then that is fueled by the fact that, you know, they had a, an old friend in Eric Enemy working with them during the week and looking over some things. So a lot of stuff, a lot of new stories involved in the Super Bowl week, which is what which is why the NFL loves the two week period between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, because there's something that's continually going on. Howie's in the Bronx. What's up, Howie?
3: There ain't no guarantee that you're going to get back to the Super Bowl. So legacies could end or they can begin. And um, Shanahan has got some legacy there with the Falcons and the last Super Bowl, too. Um, the way I look at it, um, just be, be prepared for the game as best as you can. I mean, I like Reed. I like Spagnosa better than, than the coaching over there with the 49ers. Uh, 49ers, have, have, except for Nikki Bowles and a few other guys, on, they, look, they look gassed on defense. That's basically where they look. See guys trailing the play, not going all out to get down there. Uh, Chase Young, to me, doesn't look like he's chasing anybody. His just spear of play is within a matter of feet around himself, so he doesn't look like he's really active. Um, I think the defense of the 49ers, if it comes to play, you're going to have some game today. If it doesn't, it's going to be a long afternoon in San Francisco or Santa Clara, wherever their fans hang out. The uh, As far as the Chiefs are concerned, Listen, you don't go to four Super Bowls in these amount five years, whatever it is, without being a great team and a great quarterback and a great coach and great coaching. That's what they have over there. You can't overlook it. I don't care who's number one. Lamar Jackson and then the Ravens, they were the number one seed. Well, the number one seed sometimes is, is an imposter, and we've seen it today because the Chiefs are there and the Ravens aren't there. So, listen, if you give this guy – uh, Mahomes' ch- time to throw. You give him chances to run. He's going to beat you every single way. And when he's diving, you think he's just diving and then he throws the football. <laughs> so <laughs> your defense has got to be on their toes. The defensive line for the 49ers, Larry, they need a little help out there because if you don't give them help with the linebackers, maybe a blitz here or there, or a corner coming up, you- you're going to have a hard time with this containing this guy. If you can contain him, and you know, force him to do things he doesn't want to do. Or if you get him to do, he—I don't think he's thrown an interception yet in the playoffs. But the thing is, listen, when things go your way, and and you have a better team, and you have a great quarterback, a great coach, sometimes the breaks go your way. And I, I don't want to talk about the referees. The referees are their own entity. They can make bad calls. That's part, Unfortunately, it's part of the game. Football is a very tough game, just like basketball, to 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 uh, officiate. But if there's going to be, um, you know, a hands-off position on, on Mahomes, then the 49 is going to have some trouble. But I think Nicky Bosa today is going to come out like a total beast that he always does. He's going to be right in gear, and there's going to be a lot of problems for that chief offensive line. Nicky Bosa is going to really play Well, like I was an going to say, Howie,
1: and you made an interesting point earlier, and thanks for the phone call, is that the, the Chiefs, the, the Niners defense should not be gassed. Now, they've had two weeks off. So let's see what happens. Let's see. They know what they have to do. It's very simple. It's very simple to me. You can't let Travis Kelsey beat you in this game. You have to take him away from Mahomes. That's that's period number one. Got to take him away. And I get he has not had the season he's had previously. I understand that. I get that he's looked old. I get that he's not played the same way. But here's what I know. In the postseason, he's been available. And he's been a factor. So you got to take him away. Got to. Let's let's see if Rice can, as a rookie, can do what he did against the Ravens. Let's see if Pacheco can do what he did and be a factor as he's been in the postseason. Let's see. It's, it's, It's a fascinating situation. It is. I'm very curious to see how the Niners play this. Because as you can imagine, you've heard every thought possible, every possible idea, every opinion, every every option on how they can do things. They have to find a way to put pressure on Mahomes and not give up big plays. They have to. Now I will say this because this is not this is no longer the one consistently the one big play offense that Kansas City has been previously. I will say this, they have no trouble marching the ball down the field. They have no problem problem giving you a 10, 12, 15 play drive and march the ball 75, 80 yards with a mixture of passing and running and Mahomes extending plays and eating up the clock. They have no problem doing that, none. So they've done it. Can Brock Purdy, with Kyle Shanahan's help, solve Steve Spagnuolo's defense? That's what this comes down to, ladies and gentlemen. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie?
5: Hey, Larry. You know, uh, you were saying something about legacy for Shanahan. Listen, if the 49ers lose and they're down on Shanahan, I'll take a plane right now and bring it to the Jets. Because let me tell you something. I I, I mean, if the 49ers lose, I don't, I'm not blaming Shanahan or saying you got our coach by
1: Maybe in talent, no. Performance, talent, maybe. Because I'm saying you, when you when you look at the look at how the 49 is dominated during the year, Artie. I mean, look what they did to, to Dallas. Well, something.
5: Oh, well, look, something happened along the way where they can't stop the run.
1: Yeah. They're not playing the way they were, but now but now we'll see, Artie, because once again, they've been off two weeks. So we can talk fatigue. We can talk, you know, scheme, whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about what, when the, what they said when they looked at video of how they performed during the postseason. And they talked about it. They said they were embarrassed. They can't wait to go out on the field and, and you know, change what they've seen on film, on video. Well, great. Let's see you do it. Let's see you do it. So all the excuses. Gone. No excuse for fatigue. No excuse for lack of preparation. You've had plenty of time. You've seen everything Andy Reid has ever done. You've had time to look at it from his Philly days to his Kansas City days. You've had plenty of opportunity to see everything. Now. If they out-execute you and you're not prepared, that's, you know, if you're not prepared, that's on you. They may out-execute you, then you take your cap off to what the great quarterback Patrick Mahomes is and what they're able to do offensively. And once again, like we said, what Steve Spagnuolo's been able to do defensively with this team, who also has had trouble against the run in the postseason. Ron's in Connecticut. What's up, Ron?
0: Oh,
3: hi, Larry. Boy, Artie, I know he's a longtime caller and a big Jet fan, but uh, the Jets don't get an offensive line. Uh, Artie's going to really be disappointed again about this time next year. Um, The thing with the 49ers, I mean, everybody's getting on their case. Um, Listen, the the, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions only play three quarters. You're supposed to play four. That's why they're not there and and the uh, 49ers are. Um, you would like to see a little more offense too early in the game by the 49ers because their offense has been shutting down, and then they have these big drives at the end big runs by Purdy, people getting on Purdy's case. I don't know what they're looking at. The guy has played tremendous in the past year, year and a half. I don't know what what anybody is talking about with that. I, I don't understand their evaluation. Maybe they don't know football, and they just know rah, 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 and this guy won and this guy lost, and then they just – I wouldn't take them serious anymore. Uh, the thing with the defense now, well, you said two weeks off, but that depends on what they're doing during the two weeks. If they're not getting their legs – ready, and they're not in total game shape, and they could be gassed in the first quarter instead of the third quarter, depending on what they've done the last two weeks. With These two teams are, are very good teams. Uh, the thing is, did they get their legs back? If they got their legs, if the 49 defense got their legs back, and they change up a little plays on the defense, you're going to see the defense this afternoon. I don't like their coaching. I don't like Shanahan. I don't like Wilkes. I don't think they know anything about defense. Uh, This this guy's learning on the fly, Wilkes. He's getting a, a pass because he has a pretty good darn defense. But there's an old saying with the running game, too. With the linebackers, it used to be called fire the gap, fire into the gap, fire into the gap. That means they're coming straight up to the line of scrimmage full speed and stopping the running game. If there's any hesitation there, hey, that's the difference between two, three, four yards and even a big breaker with 10, 20 yards. So the linebackers have to fire the gap, like that terminology, folks. That's like, 90, that's like Richie from Manhattan terminology. But the thing is... The 49ers, if they, they got to better get their legs back and their defense act together, offensively, Purdy can handle this team. You got a lot of weapons here. The offensive lines for the is we're not talking too much about them with the 49ers. They have to control that line of scrimmage. If they do it, and I believe they can do it against the um, uh, against the Chiefs, they're going to score some points this afternoon, no matter what Spagnola does over there. I don't care he, he could lead the team in uh, in anything. But he's not going to be able to. He's not on the field, and he's not going to control that 49 offense line and they are powerful if they let them do their thing 49ers is going to start putting points in the board. If they pull what they've done the last two games and they hesitate, they don't really score till the late in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. Hey, you could kiss this baby goodbye. Now, as far as the Chiefs are concerned, listen, you got a great quarterback who makes plays. He scores all the time in the fourth quarter, no matter what. If you're down by three uh, touchdowns, you're down by six because because Mahomes is going to put up points in the fourth quarter. That is just a given. It's up to that 49 of defense to answer it and contain it. If they can, it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs. Now, Reed is, he's got it over to Shanahan. I don't like Shanahan at all. He gets a big pass by the media and the fans. Yeah, I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think he's good at picking. I will say this now, Ron. Thanks for the
1: phone call. Uh, You can't say he's not a good coach. He's got his team to the Super Bowl again. He's right there. So, you can't say he's not a good coach. You can say that he has not made adjustments or has not executed. Maybe that. But you can't say he's not a good coach. He's a very good offensive coach. He is. All right, you, can, you can't. You can't say you don't know what people are watching when they criticize Brock Purdy because of his success, and then turn around and say that Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach. Remember, he was Purdy's Mister Irrelevant. He was the last person picked in the draft. So he can't be. You, you, you can't have both. Shanahan's really good. He's really good. We'll continue the conversation on the Super Bowl next on 98-7 ESPN.